Well, good morning. Welcome to Battleground Community Church this morning. Whether you're here with us in person or online, I invite you to take your Bibles to Romans chapter 2. We're going to be working from verses 5 to verses 11 this morning, and we're going to be there for this week and next week. And so if you've, you need a copy of your notes, you're not going to be able to keep up if you don't have your notes, so make sure you have them. They're over there on the blue table. You're not going to bother me if you need to get up and get them or a Bible. Anything you need over there is there for you. Do you see the title this morning is Our Gospel Need, Looking at the Day of Eternal Punishment that is Coming. And so let us stand in honor of God's Word and let us hear from it from our Lord this morning. Remember, this is Paul's letter to the Church of Rome. This is written to believers. It is a warning of all kinds of things. And so we looked at verse 5 last week. Verse 5 is the connecting point for us again this morning. And so Romans 2 verse 5. But because of your hard and impentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human who does evil, the Jew first And also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first, and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. Let's pray. So Lord, both a wonderful and a sobering passage that has both sobering news, hard news, and wonderful news in it all at the same time. So Lord, help us. With our minds today and wherever they may have a tendency to roam and to go, let us, let us focus in this morning on what you want us to hear about this text and all the other many passages that speak to this truth. Lord, help us to stay focused because this is coming and we want to know about it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So when I say the day of the Lord, what does that do for you? What does that do in you? What does that bring? It it necessarily brings something to mind. Uh, Could be peace. I hope it is. There could be an unsettledness about that day. Even confusion. It could be glory. It could be outright dread. And though people act like it doesn't bother them, just wait till a funeral comes around and everybody starts facing their mortality. No, it's something's coming. Is it joy or anxiety? Is it apathy or anticipation? This day of the Lord is coming, and so the Lord in His goodness and in His grace 
while it's the day, is telling us about what is coming tomorrow or in the future. And so, take your little tassel of your Bible or your notes and mark Romans, and let's flip over to Revelation. We'll be looking at several passages of Revelation today. Uh, some passages I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read and keep going. And other passages I'm going to get you to, to look at with me because I don't want you to miss it. And I, I just want to start here at Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 to make sure that we understand that there is a day coming and something's going to happen. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 said, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence But they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up its dead, and the death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death And the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recording in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. There is not only coming the day. There is in reality a book. And there is the books. Do you see it? What can we simply learn from this? The Lord knows whose are His. The Lord knows. And not only that, the Lord keeps perfect records on what is done on, in His world by His children and those that are not His children. James 4.12 says, God alone who gave the law is the judge, and He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So turn back with me now to to Revelation, I mean Romans 2. Romans 2, and let's look at verse 5. Verse 5 is our connecting point with last week. Looking at the contrasting judgment or the way we judge and the way God judges and the reality that judgment is God's, what He does not only now but also in the future. Now we have turned to the future. Notice the issue here from last week into this week is this call to response. The people either respond in repentance and faith or not. There's only two responses. And there is a danger of what we called last week non-repentance. And that's what verse 5 is telling us. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, we could say your hard and non-repentant heart, You are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. A stubborn heart leads to a refusal to repent before a holy God, which creates what Sam Storms called a piling up of God's wrath. Here's the question. Will God judge all people according to their works? Well, let's allow God's Word to answer that this morning. 
But let me give you one word. We'll mention, we'll show this as we go. His point here is not salvation. His point here is judgment. So let's keep that in our mind. If not, we'll get, we'll get confused. There are two contrasting realities that we're going to look out this week and next week. The day of eternal punishment and the day of eternal reward that is coming. The gospel declares a day of punishment is coming, revealing God's righteousness in dealing with man's sin. So I want you to see first some principles that are true no matter, no matter whether it's eternal punishment or whether it's eternal reward. I want you to see these principles and then their application, their application towards the day of punishment. The first principle is the principle of reward. There is a principle of reward. Now, you might say we, we as Christians, we just do things because God said so, and that is true. But the Bible teaches there is a day coming where there, everyone, no matter who you are, will be rewarded. That has both a positive and a negative connotation. But let's see what the book God's Word says. I, what I want you to do is keep this question in your head. Will God judge all people according to their works? And let's see what God's Word has to say. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, He will render to each one according to his works. He will render to each one according to his works. So will God judge people according to their works? Here's what I'm asking. What does the text say? What does the text say? Render means to pay back. That's what it means. It, it means to reward it even can mean to cause to happen. So let me just read some passages. You, if you can keep up, you can look at them. If not, they're in your notes. Matthew 16, 27. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and He will repay each person according to what He has done. Psalm 62 and verse 12. For you will render to a man according to his work. And our famous, beloved John 3.16. Let's look at John 3.17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Verse 18. Whoever believes in Him is what? Not condemned, but whoever does not believe is what? Condemned what? Already, because he has not what? Believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clear that his works have been carried out in God. Works are essential. There are those who are condemned and there are those because of their repentance and faith in Jesus Christ that are not condemned. Why? Because Jesus bore that for us. But that does not remove the judgment. The unbelieving stand condemned. That means to pass judgment on. The day of the Lord is payday for the justified and the condemned. 
Apostle Paul is saying there's only two possible realities at the end of this thing. Eternal life and eternal destruction. The principle here then applied sees two promises for the self-seeking. Those who say no, we'll do it our way. When this day comes, these, what he calls in verse 8, but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress. He promises them this. He will give them a future without his mercy and grace because they didn't want it anyway. I will do it our way. I'll hold on to my bitterness. I'll get my payback. I'll get what's coming to me in this life. And so in the next life, there will be no mercy and there will be no grace. There will only be, according to what the text is teaching today, fury and wrath. This place of fury and wrath is called hell. If you're in growth group, we actually discuss the doctrine of hell. Quoting a quote from Secret Church 2013. If God is supremely just, and just in a sense which is recognizable as just by human creatures, and if hell exists because it is ordained by God, then hell must be just. Hell is a place of absolute justice. He will give to them eternal punishment. And he, he expresses this in this tribulation and distress. Hell is a real place. Hell is a conscious place. Hell is a con- place of conscious torment and agony. Turn with me to Revelation 14. Revelation 14. We looked at this in more depth in your small groups. And I would say this as you find your place. Your pastor picks small group curriculum and what we're going to talk about because it relates to the book. And if you're not in small group, you're missing 20% or 30% of the message that I can't get to. And so I asked our small group leaders to do it. Uh, Revelation 14 and verse 9. Listen to, what I'm, listen to what I'm saying. Here's my assertion. Now you tell me whether I'm right or not by the book. Hell is not the absence of... Of God. Hell is the presence of his holy justice. Read, let's read. Revelation 14 and verse 9 said, And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his images and receives the marks on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath. Now listen to this language according to Romans and tie it to Romans 2. Poured full strength into the cup of his what? Anger. And he will be what? Tormented with what? And what? Where? In the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up how long? Forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Revelation 20 verse 9 says, And they marched up over the broad plain 
of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophets were. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. We look in our small group about Lazarus and the rich man in Luke chapter 16. And do you remember what the rich man said after he had died? He calls out in verse 24 of Luke 16 and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Hell is a real place. Hell is a conscious place. Hell is a dark place. Hell is the absence of light. John 1, 4-5 said, In Christ was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11, I tell you, Many will come east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Peter agrees in 2 Peter 2.17 where he looks at False teachers and says these are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Hell is a real place. Hell is a dark place. Hell is a just place. Hell is eternal place. Yeah, hell is an eternal place. Daniel chapter 12 verse 2. And many of those who are asleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life. And some to shame and everlasting contempt. In Isaiah 66, 24, we get this image. And they shall go out and look upon the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worms shall not die, and their fires shall not be quenched. And they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. This picture of a battlefield that has been absolutely decimated when there's bodies everywhere and the ecosystem of life begins to take place, this image of absolute destruction, the difference is hell is a place that is a conscious place. This is his payback to them. Verse 8, But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and Fury. The primary context here that he is leaning into is prideful religious Jews who thought they were okay because of their Jewishness. They were self-seeking. That word self-seeking means they were selfishly ambitious. They were just living for the now. They had an unquenchable desire, drive for success without any boundaries. They will step on whoever. They will step on any laws, any rules, any people to get what they think they deserve. That's who this is speaking to. It's speaking to people that are disobedient to the truth. And we've been talking about that, hadn't we, in Romans 1 and 2. 
Those who, who understood general revelation but suppressed it. Creation and conscience bears witness. I was watching that um, survival program alone to where you can just see people over and over in front all of with creation and creation providing their sustenance and providing what they need and they give no glory to God for it. That's what he's saying the wrath is building. Every time that someone looks up at creation or someone takes a shot and gets food that they put in their belly and does not glorify God at all for what he has provided for them. They're disobedient to the truth, generally and especially. He's telling Jewish people who had the law. How could you see the law and not understood where it was pointing? Matthew 7, 24 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is a wise man that builds his house on the rock. Romans 1.18 says the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. They were not just disobedient to the truth. They were obedient to unrighteousness. Why? Because they were slave to it. Romans 6.16 says this. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness. The principle of reward brings eternal punishment. But there's another principle. It's the principle of separation. Now, I know this is hard this morning and this is tough. The reward day is coming. That's next week. But I wouldn't be doing you right nor I would put myself in accountability if we don't deal with the truth of the text. I want this this to set you on fire today when you go out and you look into the eyes of people who know not Christ. But for those, there will be. You see that in verse 8? But for those, there will be. It's a promise. Separation is coming. And the separation is according to, as we just got through talking about, the truth. Living and written. Listen to this. This is, this, this is just completely... Look. Paul, Paul was a Jew and he loved the Jewish people with all of his heart. And listen to what he said. Romans 10, verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire in prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. But listen to what he says. For I bear witness, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they do not submit to God's righteousness. Why not? We are circumcised. We obey the law. We come to church. Why not? Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. 
Jesus is the point. He's the point of this book. He was the point of Genesis. He's the point of Exodus. He's the point of the Pentateuch. He was the point of the prophets. He's the point of the Psalms. He's the point of the wisdom literature. He's the point of it all. And if you memorize it all, and if you say you keep it all, but you miss Jesus, you miss everything, and there is coming a day when you will be separated. That's what he's saying. And so turn with me to Matthew 25. I know not a text where Jesus is so explicit. Matthew 25. We're going to look at this this week and next week. So just be prepared for it. Matthew 25, look at verse 31. What's the, what's the first word of verse 31? It's that first word that comes after the verse number. When is coming. Another promise. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before them there will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and He will place the sheep on His right hand and the goats on His left. And the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I just want you to see, and we'll look at this more next week, that our judgment as believers will be based on our works. Works of righteousness done precisely because we are in Christ. And what are those works going to look like? Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and you gave me drink and I was a stranger and you welcomed me and I was naked and you clothed me and I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the, uh, then the righteous will answer him and said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? Verse 40 says, the king will answer them truly to you. When you have done it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. That's the answer to the question. We are saved by faith. And there will be no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No wrath for us on that day. But do not think that our work or our lack of work is irrelevant to God. It's not the Bible is clear. Our lives as followers of Christ will be held accountable. And our leadership in the body of Christ will be held accountable. Our lack of generosity will be held accountable. Our spiritual laziness, our selfish worry, our lack of sharing, our labor in someone's life all their life long, and we see no fruit from it, all of that God, will, God is seeing. And none of it is wasted. Our lives are accountable lives, not for condemnation, but for commendation. We're going to hear that again next week. 1 Corinthians 4, 3. Paul said, It is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not there, thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring the light, the things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. 
the Lord will separate to righteousness on one side, the wicked on the next. Verse 41 of Matthew 25 saying, Then he will say on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. For I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. For I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you didn't come to see me. Verse 44. And they will also answer the Lord and say, When were you hungry and thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison? And we didn't minister to you. Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, When you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Two groups of people, two destinations. Those who who have rejected Christ will stand on that day with no spiritual covering. And they will have to stand on their own merits and they will be found lacking. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 says, Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. They do not know God personally and they do not know how to obey the gospel. They do not know it and they will be judged for it. Nothing that you suffer in the pathway of the Christian life is ever forgotten by God. He's got your back eternally. And in that day, it will be disclosed. Our destiny is eternal. That's what Matthew 25, 46 says. And these go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You do not have one without the other. You have both. John 5.29 says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. You see that? It's answering our question. The principle of reward brings the eternal punishment for those who have rejected Christ. The principle of separation is how God is going to go about preparing people for that judgment. And the judgment brings us to our third principle, and that is it will be impartial. Impartial. That's what we see in verse 11. Verse 11. We've got to go back and let's grab verse 9 to understand verse 11. Back to Romans 2. It says, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. That, that phrase, the Jew first and also the Greek, could be said this way, the Jew first and then everybody else. Why does he say that? Because it was the Jewish people who first received the covenants. And we'll talk about that more next week. 
It's another basis of God's judgment. The light that someone has received. The Jewish, there's no people except maybe the church of Jesus Christ that has received more knowledge than the Jewish people. And they are going to be held accountable first for that on that day. But here's the point. God's no respecter of persons. And that is both positive and negative. What it is getting at is simply this absolute truth that there is no injustice in God. There's no capacity for injustice. There's no evil intentions. There's no evil thoughts. There's no possibility that he will then make a judgment on someone that is based on anything other than holiness and righteousness and goodness. All will stand or fall based off their goodness of being in Christ or on their goodness outside of it. Pedigree, social status, what church you belong to, what ethnic background you identify with counts for absolutely nothing at the judgment seat of God. Nothing. Who your grandparents were, your religious affiliation, when you type it in, you know, and see, oh, you know, I'm a this, I'm a that. None of that matters. You're not taking any of that with you. Only those that are in Christ will be on the right. Everybody else will be on the left. So what? We come back to where we started. Based off everything that I've said, everything God's Word has said this morning, Are you looking and longing for that day? It's an honest question that everybody knows, whether you're watching online or here, knows the answer to. And here's the truth that if you teach or preach or work or labor in someone's life, and I know that you felt it when we speak of things sometimes with passion and tears running down our face and what we look at is someone just completely apathetic. And here's the truth. I can't put the long in anybody. Neither can you. I wish we could. Sort of. Not really. Because if God does it, he does it eternally so. Here's the truth this morning of what God's promised. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's why works matter. Because the spirit of God is the one who produces it. He produces the desire. He produces the longing when he saves your soul, when he indwells you, when he rips out that which is enslaved to sin and Put that which heart beats for God for the first time in your life. He gives you a longing not only for Christ. He also gives you a longing for that day. That's why Christians have always said, come Lord Jesus. That's what I'm asking you today. I'm not trying to shame slap you. I am not a, you know, you're going to hell. You better say a prayer. I'm asking you in your heart today, in the core of who you are, do you long for this day? And if not, hear me today. You must be saved. 
Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. This is the only day that it's free, and the next life is impossible. God has given you this grace and this mercy called life. Receive it. Roll around in it. Relish it. And I am telling you, when the Holy Spirit was in you, He will produce a joy that drives your longing. Are you living as if this day is not going to come? You know, when I think about that, I think about that rich fool of Luke 12. You remember him? Man, things look good for him. His investments were booming. Not anywhere. I don't. I don't know. I had. I had a guy in the. In a, I was in business. One of our guys we did work for, and he used to tell me, "Stephen, I'm making so much money. I'm taking it to the, taking it to the bank in a wheelbarrow." I'm sitting there going, "Just never had that problem, you know." And uh, he didn't have it for long. This, but this was this guy's problem, right? I, I have so much money. I need to build, tear down my barns. I need to build bigger barns. I need to take my money and I got to spread my money around so to make sure that it's FDIC insured, you know. And it's, it's just so much, I don't know what to do with it all. And I'm going to sit back one day and I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy my retirement because I've worked hard for it and I deserve it. And that's not the American dream. Oh, I did this myself, I did it my way. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is the one who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich toward God. Are you living like this day is not going to come? Because this day is going to come. And what it does, what it produces, is not only a longing, but also a laboring. Are you laboring because of the day of the Lord? I go back to that Luke 16 that we looked in a small group of Lazarus and the rich man. There is coming a day that is called the great exchange. Where the one who, who valued things and not God will help be eternally tr- traded with the one who valued God instead of things. What do we learn in growth group. Reality of death brings some sobering realities. This separation is coming cannot be undone. Listen. I don't care what you see on TV. I don't, know, I don't care what happened to some child or some dude who got in a car wreck. There are no messages from the dead to us. And no messages from us to the dead. There's a separation that happens at death. And what that should produce in your soul is there's some things I can only labor today. You have three things. Today, the gospel and your life. And you make the choice today whether you're going to waste it or not. Because every single one of us is headed toward a Lazarus destination or the rich man's destination. Where are you headed today? There's no evangelism in heaven None needed, none able, 
That's only the work we can do today. No opportunity in the, in the future to sit down with your family or your co-workers and your friends to, to labor into their life if it takes you the rest of your life. You give it to them because that's the work that the Lord gave us to do. Do you really want to stand before God having never made at least one disciple? Not having poured your heart out and your life vested in their lives of your friends and families and co-workers just so that you can show them Christ. You don't produce a life. You don't bring salvation. You don't, you don't have to worry about how they respond to it, but we must be willing to labor into their lives because of the great love that God has loved us. Eternity, eternity is coming. Here's the truth this morning. What I'm speaking to you is prophetic. You're sitting here this morning, whether you realize it or not, we are looking in to the prophetic because God is telling us what's going to happen in the future. And listen, I've said this to many a people. You can reject it if you want to, but Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross and he rose on the third day that everything Jesus said is true, including that day. And we must come to it and say, can you actually see it this morning? Could you have eyes to see and ears to hear? And if you do, is it producing longing or dread? And if it's dread, then God is calling you to himself today to repent. And so there's a response that we're about to have. And it may be you need to repent and believe. I am here at the front. I am here for you anytime. I will labor in your life alongside of you and other people, godly people around here will as well. Do you just need to repent? Do you need to ask God to restore the fire that used to be? That's not there. For God, for Christ and his mission. Or do we simply need to open our hands and our hearts with empty and say, you know, Lord, we need you today. We're with this grateful, humble, renewing heart. We come to the table and we open our voices to the Lord. Whatever your response is, let us know that we're all going about to make one. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. The gospel for both the bad news, the hard news. And the good news. Lord, we thank you that in, for those in Christ, there is no condemnation. There's only a day of commendation. And Lord, we long for that day. But Lord, there's a lot to do in today. And so Lord, I ask you today, for, for many of us, we just need to be renewed. Just the day in and day out is hard, God. We're tired of the things that we face in this physical world. And Lord, we need to have your mind. We need to see people the way you see them. And so, Lord, we pray that even now as we 
stand to worship. We will pour our hearts out to you. And you would fill us with your amazing grace that you have promised us because of the person and work of your son. And it is he we remember now as we come to the table. Remembering that he, his body was broken, he was poured out. It was, he, he gave his body in the place of ours. His blood shed as our once for all sacrifice for sin. So that we may be your children. And so it is as children that we stand and sing now and respond to our God and our Father with our voices, with our generosity, and in communion. In Jesus' name.